morning, everybody. This is Mike. Welcome back to Thriving Theology, a quirky podcast where I talk to you while I'm driving to work, and uh, sometimes about uh, nothing in particular. <laughs> no, it's not true. I think I always get to something, make it a point to try to try to make a point. Um, <laughs> but today is one of those days, unfortunately, where I just sat down and started recording and I realized I hadn't really even thought about what I want to talk about. So I'm just going to talk about Easter, which just happened. Um, best thing about Easter this year was that <coughs> uh, the Celtics won game one of the uh, <laughs> first run of the playoffs against uh, the Brooklyn Nets. <laughs> Which, you know me, I'm a big Celtics fan and love basketball in general, but I'm probably more of a Celtics fan than I am a basketball fan. I uh, do love the actual sport. It's probably the sport I've played more than any other in my life. Uh, but also, we, uh, we, we gathered with uh, some of our uh, folks that we used to gather with and haven't as much since COVID happened, but they're still our people. Um, and uh, it was good because I think it's going to get us back on the road of uh, gathering more again. Um, you know, if you've followed me or followed my podcast, I've I uh, am a big supporter of religious deconstruction and. Uh, and people who step outside of the institutional church. I, I'm not anti-institutional church. I just think institutional church uh, needs to be part of the process and not the destination, uh, if that makes any sense. Uh, I, I, I believe in a much broader idea of church. Uh, and today, if, you know, if I were pressed give you a definition of what of, of the highest idea of church I would say it's this idea where you are living out your life following Jesus in such a way that you really can't define where where church isn't like it's just everything you do it's who you um, yeah, it, it, it's not something that is defined as other than you in other facets of your life. It's, it's so integrated that really you don't know where church ends and you begin or vice versa. So if I had to give a definition, it would be something like that. Like church is, church is, is where you are so, so naturally... Um, trying to walk after Christ and walk with Christ that um, that it doesn't have a geological place anymore it, or, or, a, or a scheduled time it's just who you are and I think uh, actually the pandemic is probably what gave me the opportunity to kind of get more into that idea because you know we all 
we all, uh, all people who were regularly gathering with Christians, let's say, whether in East Lutheran Church or otherwise, we all were <coughs> um, changed by the pandemic and the way that we met and, and the way that we thought about meeting. We were challenged to rethink things and challenged to look again at, well, what is church exactly? Can we gather in different ways, or or can we not? Is it okay not to gather sometimes? You know, still be connected, but maybe not gather virtually or otherwise. Um, we really got to change this word "virtual" because now it means real and it means not real. <laughs> so, <laughs> virtue. Believe comes from uh, the Latin veritas, I'm pretty sure, which means truth or truly, or virtuously, should be truthfully or truly. In truth. But yeah, anyway, be that as it may. Um, uh, we were all kind of challenged to rethink, you know, well, how. You know, I'm not able to gather. In fact, our church has stopped gathering. That's been a decision that's been made, and therefore, uh, you know, is it okay? Is it okay if I just go to my next door neighbor's house, you know, or somebody down the road, and, and just gather with them? He's from the church, but we don't have a pastor, and you know, we don't have a worship leader, and is that still church? And I, I have a feeling a lot of people experienced um, church in new ways of had an epiphany that you know hey there we regularly go join again oh, I feel like storybooking and I'm gonna can't wait to say that sorry uh, I was like a storybook and I was meant to get one and I forgot again anyway so a lot of people realize that 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 they they could actually take charge of doing church themselves, even as, you know, quote-unquote, lay people, that they didn't have to have the professional, uh, and, and maybe they found something truer, something that was more real, something that felt more necessary, more important, and more pertinent, right? Um, and so they, you know, when, when it came time to go back to institutional church, or go back some people just opted out, and my wife and I was talking about this this morning. So she's a she is a um, member of a flower arranging organization. Flower arranging, if you don't know, here in Japan is like a big deal. It's one of the national uh, art forms. Um, they take it to a very high level level, and there are many <laughs> denominations, if you will. There are many different groups who follow different teachers who have somewhat different uh, aesthetics and, and techniques and things like that. But what they have noticed is that the same thing happened. So people who were taking flower arrangement, when they were un unable to go to their lessons, some of them uh, just quit. They, they used the opportunity uh, to maybe, uh, you know, try something else uh, or just quit that thing, right? So the pandemic was an opportunity for them 
to get out of something that maybe they weren't all that excited about anyway. It's possible, you know. Uh, I think I think that's that's one explanation of of what happened with churches who lost a lot of people. And I think the other or the other explanation may be that you know um, they just found something better, something better than institutional church or even house churches. I have a feeling house churches even took a hit. Because a lot of house churches are just glorified uh, mini institution churches. That being said, you know, we we stopped gathering uh, when the pandemic hit and uh, it just kind of has persisted now. So that was the beginning of 2000, right? So now we're 2001, 2002. It's been over two years since we've regularly gathered. Now, inside that two years, we did have a few things here and there, you know. Um, we got together for birthday ball and birthday parties, or I'm not sure exactly what we went to, but we're, we are still a community, although maybe more loose-knit than we used to be. But at the same time, I feel like the times we do the get together now are more real and more organic and and uh, you know has less of an agenda and uh, a lot of the pressure taken off of it, the situations now we're just glad to be with each other and perhaps you know that's that's the thing we're we're going to discover the most is that um, gathering together uh, was always meant to be uh, something that was done from the heart you know it was it, it, it shouldn't be an obligation uh, as much as joy and privilege and uh, you know, something that we look forward to doing, right? Because we love the people uh, in our families and in our church families. Um, so I know a lot of people came back to their various gatherings um, with a renewed sense of joy and appreciation for what they bring. Uh, but then there are people who just decided to opt out that they were just going out of obligation all along and they lost interest in doing that. So uh, there, you know, some people probably lost faith altogether. Uh, Some people are maybe confused and uh, having a bit of a dark night of the soul experience. Um, But some people perhaps have found something more true and more real. We all have to appreciate that, and all of us who are who are in leadership uh, in different churches and church organizations need to take a step back and and you know kind of appreciate uh, the clarity that we've been given through this church. You know, it's a it's a gift. Um, we we have gotten data through this experience that we never would have gotten. Uh, we should be able to go forward and, and take better steps, right, to, to, to go forward in a way that um, helps us not repeat our mistakes in the past that were uh, brought to light um, because of uh, the pandemic. You know, that's possible. I don't know. So, yeah, that, that's neither here nor there. But I, I do hope that we will start gathering more often uh, and that we will find 
we will find uh, that we we really missed being together with one another. Now I will say this, uh, you know, our over the years, and we've been doing uh, home home gatherings since since about 2010. So somewhere around 12 years, people have been gathering in my house. And around 2013 is when it became exclusively gathering in my house. We stopped going to institutional uh, churches altogether. Uh, there have been a couple defining events that, that happened during that time. Uh, one was the great earthquake. We had started gathering, started gathering just a little over a year before that. Uh, the earthquake uh, really brought us close together, right? It was a, it was an event that, that where we leaned on each other and we supported one another, uh, and we we gathered more uh, intently because of that situation, right? Because we needed each other more. <coughs> it's kind of the opposite of the pandemic. The pandemic was a spreading event. It was an event that came that, that scattered people. And you know, the, now that I think about it, th this this happened also uh, in in the early uh, years of the church. Um, I think the church could point to um, some events that that brought them closer together. Perhaps uh, the martyr of one of their leaders, uh, one of the great leaders of the early church, James, for example. that they, you know, they came together closer. Of course, the, the event that happened before that is the, the crucifixion of Jesus, right? The, the loss of the physical presence of Jesus on earth uh, caused the, especially the church in Jerusalem, to really focus on one another, right? Really um, lean on one another and, and love on one another. And they they remained in Jerusalem for some time. Even though Jesus had asked them to go into all the world and preach the gospel, they chose initially to, to stick together, to stay together. But then a great wave of persecution came, uh, and, and the church was scattered, right? They were scattered from Jerusalem. The church was broke up. And, and presumably other congregations that may have been meeting in that area because the great per persecution started, right? The, this had to do with uh, um, mostly the Jews, uh, but of course the Romans were involved in persecuting the church. This was a scattering event. But that scattering event, what it did was, even though it was initially probably traumatic and, and scary. It actually helped Christianity to start spreading as Jesus had intended, right? Um, as opposed to just being comfortable and happy with their own little uh, club in Jerusalem, uh, they all were scattered and had to start their own gatherings in other places. 
So it was a negative event that had positive consequences, right? It helped the gospel to spread. And of course, you know, part of part of what is, and we talked about this uh, on Easter with uh, some of the guys we were talking about the idea, the ideas of resurrection. Part of part of the the, the beautiful thing of what happened to Jesus um, was that you know he he died, but he did not stay dead. He was resurrected. I see that in these scattering events, right? These scattering events kind of look like things that. They've been shattered in a sense. Um, um, they've been they've been torn to pieces, and a lot of churches are feeling that now. Um, but one thing we learn from the resurrection is when something is dead, it can be alive again, and it can it can be better than ever. And that that's you know that's the story that that Jesus was trying to get into the minds of his disciples was that. You know, I'm here with you now, but it's better that I go to the Father. Because unless I go to the Father, I cannot send you the Comforter. Right? And of course, we know that the Comforter is the Holy Spirit. I mean, the Holy Spirit uh, is Christ on earth today, now, albeit invisible. But he can be equally everywhere and in everyone. Right? It's 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 a better it's a better version of Jesus than just one man in one geo, uh, geological location, you know, in one time, in one time and place. Let's say now he is Jesus, otherwise known as the Christ, everywhere in everyone for everyone, right? Uh, and and that's. That's the beauty of resurrection. It's not. It's not just that Jesus was dead and he was alive, but he came back better than before. He came back a better version, uh, a a a more universal version of himself, um, and that's what we know today as the Christ. Right? Christ is uh, Jesus and God uh, in all. For all, everywhere, right? Now, uh, maybe maybe you don't believe that Christ is in all, uh, because you believe that He's just in Christians, and and I would say that it's kind of semantics to me because I think I think what happens to us is it's not that humans s- stop being bad and start being good, but that but that we discover there's good in us, and I think that's Christ, right? That that being made in the image of Christ, I I think we all uh, are fundamentally good. It doesn't mean we do good. Um, It doesn't mean that we can't be corrupted, but it does mean that we can be saved and that that we we can be made whole. But I think it's 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 more of a discovering of the good in us, right? Discovering that. That in us, uh, Christ has been there all along, and we've been talking to us all along, and we just, for the most part, have not been listening, have not been hearing. Uh, kind of getting off the subject, but 
you know, Easter, the beauty of Easter is that, that um, even though we die, we can come back better than ever. And there are all kinds of deaths, right? Um, I, think, I think we die several times in our lives. Uh, I think in, in those times we, we would say we're in a kind of hell, right? We're, we're in situations that, are, uh, that we cannot endure, uh, that, are, that are unreasonably hard. feel like all hope has been lost, right? We, we do lose hope from time to time. Unfortunately, it happens. Um, but what Jesus taught us in the resurrection is that we can live again, and we can be better than before. We can be better than ever. Uh, we can be uh, the best um, version of ourselves has ever existed, right? Uh, so, Easter. Now, we, you know, when we get together, we still do things for the children, right? We, we still, we still talk about, uh, you know, we still color eggs and, you know, Easter bunny, and we still do some of the traditions that, that we experienced as kids. Um, I'm not, have been in the past, but I'm not somebody who really worries about, you know, well, Easter and Christmas, they're actually, um, you know, pagan holidays, and so if you do this and that, eh, whatever. I, I think there, there are a lot of ways that, that the egg uh, can represent uh, Christ. You know, we use these empty eggs, right? We, we take these plastic eggs. And we, we put gifts in them. But, you know, an empty egg uh, is kind of a, you know, it can be a metaphor for the empty tomb, right? He's not, his body's not here. He, why, do you, why do you look for him here? He's not here. He, is, he, has, he has arisen. <coughs> so, yeah, I... I guess I'd say this, if, if you are experiencing um, some death in your life, some hell, uh, I want to say that, uh, you know, I'm sorry for that. Um, and, and I know it's hard. Uh, I've been to hell a few times in my life. <coughs> and there's nothing good about it. There's nothing good about it. Doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel like it's therapeutic. It doesn't uh, doesn't feel like it's uh, you know discipline or training. It just feels bad. And if you're in that situation, I just want to tell you that that uh, you know I'm sorry you're in that situation. And I wish uh, there was something that I could do for you. Resurrection, I think, is is a good thing to think about in those situations, that no matter how dark and bad things get, um, a new day will dawn. The sun will rise, right? <coughs> what was the book by Hemingway? The Sun Also Rises, was that, was that what he said? I can't remember the, 
name of the book exactly. I read it, but um, I think that's part of the message of that book, if I'm not mistaken. It's been a while since I read it, but, you know, the, yeah, the sun sets, the night comes, the darkness comes, but after the darkness comes the light, right? Uh, now, when you're in the darkness, um, there's nothing but pain and fear and suffering. really often not much people can do to help you except maybe be alongside you and suffer with you. But the light will come. And, and, and here's, here's where I think we get into what the gospel is, right? the, the, the truth of the matter. The truth of the matter is that no matter how dark your night becomes, light will follow. And the darkness will not win. The light will win. And so, hold on. Just hold on. Hold on. And whether whether that darkness takes your physical life, whether you give in to the darkness and become angry and bitter, the light's still going to come. It may or it may be harder for some to accept the light, to admit that the light's there. Uh, I don't think everybody's going to necessarily come around to the light at the same pace. But my personal belief is that Christ will continue shining, and it will take as long as it takes. But He will not give up on you, ever doesn't matter what you've done, doesn't matter how much you've embraced the darkness, uh, doesn't matter whether you still have breath in your lungs or not, he's going to keep shining that light, and, and when you stop fighting the light, accept the light, it'll be a great day, <laughs> it'll be a wonderful day. And then you will have the light from then on. Uh, without getting too much into eschatology and, and what happens at the end of time, uh, because really nobody knows for sure, um, except Christ. Uh, I think we, we have a lot of light to look forward to. I don't know what life is going to be like after we leave this dark world. Phrase that. I don't think we're going to leave this dark world. I think the, the light is going to come to this world and change the world. Um, and I hope that happens in a final culminating event. Right? That would be great. That would be wonderful. Um, if it happens gradually, I'll accept that too. What choice do I have? <laughs> what choice do any of us have? Uh, but we do have the choice to 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 embrace the light or not, you know. We can embrace the darkness or we can embrace the light, uh, and it doesn't matter. That's what I'm trying to say. That's the gospel. The good news is, Christ is completely good. He is all good, and He is all for you. 
he is for you. And if Christ is for you, who can be against you? Right? Nobody of significance. Now it may feel it may feel significant in the moment, but Christ's light will have the final say. Uh, and and I believe I believe he will not give up on anybody until everyone has embraced his light and accepted his love. Um, and that's Easter, right? That's Easter. That that's that's what he's promised us, and that's the gospel, right? The gospel is Christ, the creator of the universe, the author and finisher of our faith, has always been for you and always will be for you, and that's it. You don't have to worry about a thing. Now, I think, I think, and I've said this before, I think there are great advantages to knowing this. Right? I, I think it's wonderful to, to be able to relax in that knowledge. But even if you don't know this, and even if you can't quite accept it, and maybe, you know, it's possible none of us can completely, um, but it's going to be okay. He won't give up on us until we can. And perhaps that's what the refining fire is all about. Maybe, maybe that's what the process of of, of pur purifying, right, being made pure by fire, is all about. Um, sure, it's it's going to be painful to some uh, because it's hard to let go of ourselves. It's hard to let go. It's hard to surrender. Uh, it's hard not to. It's hard to trust others instead of just trusting ourselves, right? Um, <laughs> but I don't think he'll give up. I just don't think he'll give up on you. I think it's gonna it's gonna take as long as it takes, uh, and there's no expiration date. There's no time limit. Resurrection, and it's 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 the final it's the final answer to the problems of life. Yeah, death's gonna come, all kinds of death, all kinds of hell, uh, all kinds of bad stuff's gonna happen. Uh, but resurrection follows death, just as the light follows the darkness. Um. I love the, the way that, I can't remember who said this, I believe it's John, uh, 
the light came into the world, right? The light came into the world, but but it says men love love darkness, right? And, and I know I'm mixing a lot of different light dark scriptures here. That's part of what I do on this journey because I don't have a Bible open in front of me or anything of reference. I'm too busy watching the road and and uh, not getting in in, it, in in any accidents, which. Uh, thankful that that hasn't happened in these, I guess going on seven years that I've been doing this podcast, I'm past six years now, but, um, yeah, that's, that's the final word, light will follow the darkness, the day will follow the night, the sun sets, yes, but the sun also rises, just hold on. Hold on. And I think a lot of it is not... Some of it is, right? Some of it is darkness that is imposed on us uh, that we have no control over. But I think what we can control is we can control for... uh, We can control our desire to find the light, right? We can keep up that... We can be vigilant. Right, to continue to search for light, to find light, uh, you know, to, to turn on lights if we have to when it's dark, right? to, to make a fire. Uh, there are things we can do to, to dispel the darkness. Even though darkness surrounds us, there are things that we can do um, that will bring some light into our, uh, into our dark places. So I was talking about the scriptures, and anyway, you know, one of the scriptures says God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. Of course it's all metaphorical, or or actually, uh, maybe light and darkness is a metaphor for uh, God and his, his, you know, presence and lack of presence. something about um, about God I suppose or we've just adapted it I don't know um, but I, th- I think as human beings we are hardwired uh, to to have joy at light you know when you if you go camping you know that one of the things about camping is it's darkness you know at, at night, you're out in the, in the wilderness and you're away from electricity, it can be really, really dark. And one of the best things about camping is the campfire. There's something about getting that fire started as darkness is, is descending. Getting that fire started just changes the entire atmosphere of the campsite. Not as bright as the sun, you know. It's not, it's not that. It's it's that it's, you know, it brings warmth and it it brings light. And, and we are hardwired to to be joyful at light, right? Light, light not only is great in and of itself, but what light reveals to us. Without light, there's no there's no seeing color. 
right? Light reveals all of the color in the world. And the better the quality of light, the better the color. You know, yesterday was a, a fairly sunny day. Uh, there was some, the landscape was beautiful. So I, I have a, a nice view from where I live of um, forests and fields and what, whatnot. My house is kind of on the side of a hill. And right now, being spring, there's a lot of flowering trees and things like that. And the, and the leaf, the leaf color in spring, this, this very, very light green, it's just gorgeous. And it's mixed with the evergreens. And so you get this uh, tapestry of, of dark greens and light greens uh, and, and different colors of white and pink flowers and and the better the quality of light the better that looks so if it's a completely sunny clear day it just looks gorgeous now a day like today which is cloudy and, and a little a little rainy uh, I saw the same view and it was it was okay you know it was fine just something about that blue sky and that unfiltered light uh, that reveals beauty in the earth so it's not just about the light it's itself, but, but what the light reveals. And, and uh, I think that's something that uh, C.S. Lewis famously said. You know, it's, uh, he talked about the, the illusion of being in a dark shed, and there's a hole in the shed, and the sun uh, light is, is coming through the, the hole. Now, he can see the beam of light, but the great thing about that beam of light along it, what it reveals, right? I'm getting this completely wrong, and I know C.S. Lewis has probably a slightly uh, different point that he was trying to make, I think. Uh, not, but he did talk about, you know, it's not just that, it's not just the light, but what the light reveals, right? Light is a, is a revelatory phenomenon. gives us vision. Without light, without light, there really isn't any vision. You have to have some light to have any vision at all, I think. Well, there are other senses, of course, but of course, it's all a metaphor. So, uh, I'm starting to ramble, and I think uh, this is probably a good place to stop. I wish for you uh, some Easter resurrection in your life. some light and some joy, some wonder, some magic. Uh, and I hope that if you are in a dark spot now that that, uh, that this will come soon for you. Nobody likes to be uh, in the dark too long. All right, thanks a lot guys. Bye-bye.